Welcome to the Your Money Personal Finance Podcast. I'm David Pratt, along with the president of Everything Financial, Peter Shashecki. Here on Season 2, Episode 16, our final show of the season. We are going over the 10 biggest questions of this season. We call it the best of your money, Season 2. All right, Peter, it is showtime. It is. We'll start with the Omni Formula. What is it? What is it? The Omni Formula is everything. That's what Omni actually yes. means, Dave. It actually means everything okay. in Latin, hence why we chose the name for our proprietary system of financial planning, the Omni Formula. And really what the Omni Formula is, it's an all-encompassing financial plan. It's, it's much like, Dave, uh, we all use GPS these days on our smartphones and our cars to know where we're going. And that's exactly what the Omni formula is. It's a GPS for financial planning. So we gather lots of information uh, and it's mind numbing sometimes how many questions we ask for people. But (laughs) you know what they say, Dave? Garbage in, garbage out, you know? So we like to make sure we get all the information in so we're not spitting out garbage at the other end. And we give you a real clear picture of your situation, what it is when you walk through the door. And then we develop a plan of where you want to be based on whatever your goals, your dreams, your wishes are, your aspirations. And we basically show you step by step how to get from point A to point B and C and wherever you're going. Um, And it it really makes financial planning, you know, financial planning 101, financial planning simple. Not not a lot of, and, and you know this from knowing me, but there's not all the the double talk, the down speak, the condescending type stuff that you get at the the big locations, you know, those big places where they give you all these fancy terms and formulas and, you know, to, oh, oh, you've got to max out your RSPs. How much do you need to retire? Well, you need six times the gross national product of Botswana land. And they give you all these different... Oh, I can say bullshit, right, Dave? Because it's our podcast, right? Yes, it's, you can. We don't have yes, sponsors to answer to. Yeah, it's all bullshit. The Omni I'm... formula <laughs> makes it simple um, so you understand what's going on and you understand how you get from point A to point B. All right, let's 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 begin this process here. Okay. How hard is it to set up a mortgage tax deduction plan? Let's get there first because this oh, is that... critical. Yeah, that was one of our episodes way back when in the season there, the mortgage tax deduction plan. Um, it's actually not that difficult. The It's been around okay. for 24 years um, that you've been able wow. to do this. It's it's really what it is, especially in BC and Ontario in this day and age, there, people have a lot of equity in their house. And really what you need to do is have equity that you can invest and make it, and that just by taking that equity in a, we talked about this before early in the season, a home equity line of credit or short form HELOC, um, it makes it tax deductible by investing money from a HELOC. So that interest by investing money is a tax deduction. The investment itself, the management fees, as long as you're using a fiduciary, which portfolio management company, which we'll talk about in a bit here, then you can also tax deduct the management fees. So you tax deduct the interest, tax deduct the management fees. The key to the mortgage deduction plan, though, is taking that tax savings from those deductions and you apply that against your mortgage that is not 
tax deductible. And slowly but surely, you can take a 25-year mortgage and knock about 10, 11 years off of it just by starting out with something simple like a $50,000 investment. So that's the one way to do it, Dave. Um, If you, you you don't have any cash, but you have equity. The other way to do it is if you're sitting on a bunch of what we call non-registered money. So money that's not in an RSP, not in a TFSA, just cash investments. You can take those cash investments. Like say you got, God, you know, God forbid, what a way to get money, but you got an inheritance or something like that. You can take that money and apply it against your debt. And then you have to wait 31 days. That's a CRA rule. And then you can borrow that money back that you just paid off on your mortgage and invest it. And now that interest part of your mortgage is now tax deductible. So watch the podcast where we talked about that. Um, yep. It'll help understand it. And if you're not sure if you qualify, give our office a call and me or one of my many associates will be happy to you know, go through it very slowly, see if it works for you. And because of the requests and and low tax environment or low interest environment, we're in high tax in Canada, but we've actually built a computer program so we can customize this for every person to see if it works for you. And if it's not for you, don't do it. But, you know, if you find you're in a high tax bracket and you can save a lot of money, then maybe it makes sense. Because as we've said and where the name came from, Dave, it's your money. So you do the things with whomever your financial advisor is. Do the things that make sense to you and you're comfortable with, not what, you know, makes them lots of money or, or what they're telling you to do. I can, I can suggest lots of things for people, but I always say to them, if you're not happy with it or you don't understand it, don't yes. do it. It's your money. That's the end. You've got to understand what you're doing. And if you, if you don't understand, ask more questions. Sit, you know, I've, I've done this thing for some people where it was really beneficial for them with the tax deduction. It took me four, five, six meetings till they said, you know, they, and they didn't want to abandon the idea. They just wanted to understand the idea and they just couldn't get it. So, you know what? That's, that's our job to act as a fiduciary, do what's in your client's best interest and take your time till they have a good understanding of whatever the strategy is. This or one of the many others we're going to talk about, you make sure the client understands it because it's their money. Well, Peter, when you make that call, you know, you make the decision, you pick up the phone, what is the number one question that you're going to ask that financial advisor? What's the number one? (sighs) Number one question I'd ask a financial advisor, how do you get paid? And, And I get lots of hate mail from the banks and stuff when I say this because, you know, the bankers get a trailer fee, the mutual fund salesperson uh, get a trailer fee, which they're entitled to. That's fine. What I have the problem with, and again, it's a few, it's not, it's not all of them. It's very few who try and misrepresent that the trailer fee they get paid is the only fee that you're paying, which it's, it's the only fee you're paying to them. Fair enough, but it's not the only fee involved in mutual funds. There's embedded fees. So, so when I say the question you should ask is what are you getting paid? Then there's question like at 1A and 1B, what are you getting paid? But 1B should be, what are you doing for what you're getting paid? That's the other uh, question you should ask. What am I getting for what you're getting paid? And if it's, well, I, I build this portfolio, I'm, I'm getting your mutual funds in order and blah, blah, blah. No, 
No, because they don't put the portfolio together. I don't put the portfolio together. That's why we use the portfolio management companies. I mean, when I moved away from portfolio man or away from mutual funds to portfolio management well over 10 years ago, I took an immediate massive pay hit because I gave up and walked away from those, you know, front those uh, big upfront mutual fund commissions because it was the right thing to do. But now I, I get, and we disclose it, we get a fee, a percentage from out of what the, the portfolio management company charges. But I can answer that question to the client. What do I do for that money? We build a comprehensive financial plan with our Omni formula. We provide tax advice. We even do um, your tax returns. Now, in some cases, depending on the size of the client, there's a small fee. And, and in a lot of cases, there's no fee. We'll make sure you get your will update. And again, we have different levels, which you can see on our website, but we'll even pay for the will. We'll pay for people's legal fees when they're doing the refinance stuff if, in, in certain situations. Other ones that we get them good deals. You know, So we're making sure we provide a lot of services. If we're going to get paid a percentage, we shouldn't be paid a percentage just for introducing them to the portfolio manager. We should be doing something for it. So we build the plan and then the portfolio manager builds the investment product or portfolio to match the plan. And then we're updating the plan on a regular basis. We have no limits to how many times you can come in and visit us. We'll, we have an in-house um, mortgage broker who's one of our advisors, Vitri Trong, who you met earlier in the season, yeah. who, will, who will go through and make sure your mortgage is the right one for you as part of your plan. The mortgage isn't just another product. It's part of the solution and the strategy in your financial plan. We have Bart Aldrich, our um, notary that we had on earlier that we introduced people to. Bart owns his own company, but we pass on a lot of business to Bart and we take, we want nothing. We just want to make sure we get nothing from him. We don't expect anything from him. We pass people on and we suggest go to your own notary, your own lawyer if you want, but we want to make sure people have their will, have their power of attorney. That's really what you should expect, the questions you should ask. Um, and again, it reverts back to it's all part of the Omni formula. Those are the things you should do to make sure you're getting something yeah. for your money. That's the key. You talked about the mortgage. That is huge. It really is huge. What was the top item from the Mortgage Made Easy episode? I'm thinking the top item I got out of that from Vitri, and everyone might have got their own thing out of that. But my top item out of that Mortgage Made Easy episode was you know, even though everyone gets the five-year mortgage, <laughs> it's probably the one that no one should get, really, when we talked about variable and, you know, the high commissions involved. the What I really got from Vitri, who's, who's great at what he does, I mean, um, that's why we were lucky to get him at Everything Financial when we did, is that the mortgage is, as we just said, it's part of your plan and your overall strategy. It's not a product you buy. Um, that there's so much... There's so much choice out there in mortgage that people don't get. I mean, so that the five years is not the best. The variable is really the best way to go. And and don't buy into all the hype. And, and right now, as we're recording this, we're getting a lot of hype out there about, oh, interest rates. Oh, they're going through. The, oh, you better lock in. 
you just bought a new one, a new mortgage six months ago. Why would you tear it apart and pay a huge fee and lock in again? And and that that's kind of what I got is all those fees for making changes. I think, I mean, that was the top really about the five year. But the, the other good, again, sort of subplot to this was having a longer amortization, but putting that money into a TFSA and then using that TFSA to pay off your mortgage later how many more years that knocked off your mortgage versus yeah. the bi-weekly and all the other stuff was a great uh, eye-opener to say, hey, here's other choices for you. So it's really that, you know, there's lots of other choices and um, that was the really it. And, and, you know, enlightening people and opening their eyes to all those commissions involved with the mortgages is uh, – really good for people because again their money and showing them ways to put more of it back in their pocket which is really important yeah it was a great episode great episode um let's get on to the the new year's resolutions okay uh top new year's financial resolution let's get into this find a registered financial planner and get a financial plan <laughs> going really i mean quit procrastinating people get it done there's a lot of good ones out there get it done. I, I know a lot of my colleagues, we see them at our, um, the independent association of financial planners conference every year. A lot of good RFPs, registered financial planners. We joke in the industry, real financial planner. Um, that's just a fun play on words that people don't take offense to it. If you know, you're, you're a different type of financial planner. We just say it as a joke, but <laughs> getting a financial plan and, and, and as part of that financial plan, cause it doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have getting your path started is the key. But in part of that is one of the first questions from the financial planner. Do you have an updated will? Get the will done as part of your financial plan. A financial plan is not just an investment portfolio. Nothing could be further from the truth. An investment portfolio is kind of one quarter of your financial plan, not the financial plan. So yeah, top thing from that was get it going you don't need to have a, a certain amount of money to get a financial planner and get an, a registered financial planner to do the job for you. Matter of fact, it's kind of easier if you get started right at the beginning when you don't have a lot yet because then you don't make a lot of mistakes that you have to unwind and start over. So the earlier you start, the better off you'll be. Not just the earlier you start on investing money, the earlier you start getting the plan because then you're going to have a path to follow. So that was kind of... I think the feedback we got kind of made that the top takeaway from that episode. Time now for the second half of the Your Money podcast. <laughs> to say the least, Peter, we had some technical problems there. Yeah, it wasn't you or me. It was everybody else because it's never our That's fault, right. Dave. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm innocent of all charges. Exactly. <laughs> what if I turn into Donald Charged, Trump maybe. Convicted, never. <laughs> all right, let's get down to some business here. Explain to me, what is a portfolio manager? Please, what? Yeah, let, let's get back to that episode we had with Janice Souden from Connor Clark and Lund way back when in January, December. I don't even remember when it was, but quite a while ago. But a portfolio manager is actually an active manager. So it's, a, it's an investment company who actively manages your portfolio. So... They are making changes, but they but they have to do everything as a fiduciary. They have to do what's in your best interest, not what's in my best interest or any advisor's interest. 
They do what's in the client's best interest and they can make changes to your portfolio constantly as long as those changes changes are in your best interest. Uh, also, they're, they're very protective to make sure and cognizant to make sure that you're in the same risk level. So it's not like they're taking you from one risk level portfolio and just for layman, let's say one being conservative, 10 being risky and say you're in a portfolio five, just nothing really like that exists, but just to put it in layman's terms. And they're not suddenly moving you to a portfolio seven. They're not, or, or to a three. They're not allowed to do that. They're making changes, but they're the ones who look for what's going on in the market and what's on sale. So when, when the market crashes, like when COVID hit and dropped 36% yeah. or early here in 2022, where there was a lot of volatility in the market at the beginning of January. And then that continued on, of course, with the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. And, and not to sound callous and not caring, but they're the ones who look for the opportunity. So when, you know, the average person runs through the streets with their hair on fire because they think the world is over, they're going, tuna's on sale and we're going to stock up on tuna. You know, they're <laughs> looking for the deals. But again, fiduciary, full disclosure, yeah. they have to disclose fees. And unlike the mutual funds and the mutual fund salespeople in the banking industry, those fees are, are not embedded. Every fee has to be on a statement that you can see. They always charge you those fees quarterly in arrears. So start with them in January. You're not paying till you know, the end of March. Um, but not only that, they're calculated every day. So if the markets are going down, same percentage, but on smaller assets. They don't pick the best day of the year and go, okay, here's your fee based on that. It's truly the fair way to have a fee paid, calculated, et cetera. Again, as I said a hundred times, I'll say it again, fiduciary doing what's in your best interest all the time. That is, I mean, that's as far as I'm concerned, that's um, the biggest deal. Active management. And here's the little twist. Okay. The fees on non-registered or as we call them taxable accounts, so not TFSA, not RSP, et cetera, just cash investments are fully tax deductible as well. So you pay a lower fee than you are with a lot of the traditional mutual funds out there and you get to write it off on the applicable investments. That's even better. So lower fee, but getting to write it off, that's a double whammy in your pocket, which is great. So that's the gist of it, there's a lot of good portfolio managers out there. A lot of them have different levels that they'll consider acceptable that they'll invest. But we've made deals with four portfolio management companies that we're happy with. We've vetted. We're constantly watching, you know, them and and they're a con they explain things to our clients and fully inform our clients. They're the ones who explain the portfolio. They're the ones who watch the investments, but We've got them, um, they, and they each have their different area of expertise that they're good for. But we have a company that can do portfolio management starting out on your first 50 bucks, and then a company whose specialty is over a million and everywhere in between, and another company, you know, for those clients who are U.S. He citizens here or people working in the U.S., because I look after both Canada and the U.S. for clients, and... Um, yeah, portfolio management for Canada and the U.S. and it's it's just the way to go. And 
advisors, you know, we talked one of our last question, Dave, or the one before that, what are some of the questions you should ask? Well, if your advisor is not using a portfolio management company, ask them why. Because uh-huh. uh, in my opinion, if everyone wants to do the best job for their client, let the experts manage the money and you as a registered financial planner manage the plan. I just, I just, maybe I'm naive, but I just think that's a good way to go. Which leads me to this sort of kind of follow-up question. When you're dealing with risk, how important is trust? Oh, huge, Dave. I mean, you don't want, you, you want the, the, the team of investment professionals. I mean, you have to have trust in them. You have to have trust in what they know we're doing. And you have to have trust that they're not going to put you in, a, in an aggressive or, or, or not doesn't have to be aggressive, but a, a risk level in a portfolio that's not in your best interest because there's something in it for them. You have to really know that, you know, they're watching the financial planner. So me in this case, or my team <laughs> build a plan so that they can build the right portfolio to fit the plan. You know, someone who's going, well, heck, I just want to go, you know, this, this, asking them to to gain that trust, asking them how they're compensated. Remember, we said earlier about how the advisor's compensated. Well, ask the portfolio manager how they're compensated and find out if there's different portfolios that they're compensated differently on. Because as a fiduciary, they have to tell you before you even ask them. But asking that question is good because there are mutual funds out there where different funds pay the advisors or the firms different commissions based like the proprietary ones under their own name will pay them better than some of the other ones like XYZ mutual fund company that they also represent. It's not always the case, but what I'm really getting at is empowering you, the consumer who's having a plan done to ask those questions so you get what's right for you, but you get fully informed. And and that's really what the key is. And, you know, you talk about trust, Dave, getting all that information and having someone laying it all out for you is how the trust is going to be built by being fully informed, full disclosure, full transparency in our business would be welcomed. And there's nothing wrong with that. Which leads me to my next question dealing with this trust element here. You know, what do you mean, you know, when you say that there's no such thing as RRSP season. Yeah. Uh, and we, t- we have good laughs about this on CTV. Yeah. Carrie Adams loves this one. When I say this one with her, <laughs> when she says, what do you mean? There's no RSP season. And I say to her, well, Carrie RSP season is like Valentine's day. It's one of these artificial branded holidays to make people spend more money than they really need to. And then Carrie gives me <laughs> crap and saying, what do you mean you heartless person? You're not giving out flowers. No, I give out flowers because it's Tuesday, not because it's February 14th, okay. you know, buy them on the 13th. <clears throat> Pardon me, Dave, they're cheaper, but there is no such thing as RSP season. There okay. is, however, an RRSP deadline day. If you want to count your receipt for last year, but Way back before I was in this business, when I was still in high school and really started to pay attention, and from all the research, this is when it looks like it happened in the 80s, this fake persona and labeling of RSP season came up. To give people this impression, they better hurry up to the counter, kind of like, remember, like uh, Boxing Day used to be? 
Yeah. Is there really any Boxing Day specials anymore? <laughs> but people, geez, there's a new one for next season, Dave. Um, sure. But but people would run out and go buy RSPs, whether they needed them or not, because it's been drilled into them for almost 40 years that you have to, or FOMO, right? The fear of missing out. Yeah. It's complete hogwash and bullshit, Dave. There is no such thing. <laughs> they said, make a proper plan. And we talked about this in that episode. Yeah. So that you're ahead of the game. Buying RSPs because you think you need them, and you may very well need them, but buying them on RSP season, as they call it, or at that RSP deadline in February, means you just missed out on the entire year. Wouldn't it make more sense to, you know, start this off start yourself off in March and have all the RSPs you need by February? You're already done. But part of that RSP season, Dave, is to promote to promote RRSP loans. Again, now let's borrow money to uh, buy more RSPs that we don't even need. But don't worry, you're going to get a refund so you can pay that loan back. Well, wait a minute. If you're in a 30% tax bracket and you borrow $10,000 to buy an RSP, it's only saving you $3,000 in taxes. See, Dave, that was easy math. You can even follow that yep. one. Yeah. So where's the other $7,000 coming from? It's a complete uh, smokescreen. Like, what's really hiding behind the curtain? I know I get riled up about this. We even have a swear jar at the office. If you say the S word there after RSP, not that S word, the other one that we just talked about. Yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. No, shh, shh, don't say that. Oh, you're, you're, yeah, you got to pay to the jar next time you're out oh, in the Langley office. Okay. You're, right. you're dumping money in the swear jar because it's, okay. it's, yeah, it doesn't exist. So get on a plan where you're not being held ransom by, some at the bank. And I'll tell you this one, Dave, you might remember this from our days on that sports station that yes. we used to be together on uh -huh. where I went into the bank and I won't say what bank, cause I, it's not fair to throw them under the bus. So we just call it the green goblin bank. Okay. Um, and then there's the red carpet bank and the yellow brick road. Mm -hmm. Anyways. Um, so <laughs> I went in and the teller, we call them a teller cause they're not a listener was like this with her head down. Didn't even look at me. And it was February 28th, so the end of that season pretty much. And she said, have you maximized your RSPs yet? Well, first off, she doesn't know what my limit is. She doesn't know what my income is. She doesn't know if I'm 75 years old and can't even buy RSPs because I'm too, you know, well, she knows nothing. She wasn't even looking. It was a programmed response. And the funny thing is the lady behind her is a client of mine. Um, I can't throw her under the bus because she might lose her job for dealing with me and when she works at the bank. But I just saw her put her head in her hands and start shaking her head. And she goes, you know, you could see it in her face. Oh no, Peter's going to go off on this poor young teller. And I did. <laughs> and, and then I said, what kind of idiotic question is that? Did I maximize my RSPs yet? Now, why would I even do that? And her response without Dave, without even a pause. Well, how are you going to retire if you don't maximize your RSPs? Well, wait a minute. What if that was Wayne Gretzky at the counter and he's already, you know, whatever. He's already retired. Like, yeah. like it was just a dumb question. Make RSPs just one of your strategies in your financial plan for the future, not something that you're held hostage to the last week of February to March 1st every year. So there's no such thing as RSP, you know, hashtag, hashtag, sign, 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 because I can't say the word. There's just an RSP deadline if you want to count that receipt for the previous year. 
Oh, I can just feel the love there, Peter. Oh, I yeah, there was tons feel of the that. love. Yeah, oh, just, yeah, okay. Uh, moving along now, um, episode eight, we got into this thing, and I, and I want some clarity on this as well. What is fee-based financial planning and the difference between that and commission-based planning? Commission-based planning, and there's certain designations where it's written right in their disclosure, which is fine, it's yep. fully disclosed, is based on selling you a product. It's actually not based on putting a plan together. It's sell you some life insurance or sell you some mutual funds or sell you some disability or sell you a mortgage, whatever. Fee-based financial planning, and, and there is a combination. I'm going to get into a third one too. But fee-based financial planning is someone charging you a fee to build a financial plan. Then you take the plan and walk away with it and all its recommendations and then you're responsible for putting all those recommendations or strategies in place yourself. Or what we do is a combination. Now, we do have some people who have come in and wanted the fee-based plan where, you know, do a plan for me, charge me a fee, and we maybe will never see you again. We're going to, you know, they're going to walk away with the plan and go do their thing. So that's a fee-based financial plan. But we get a lot of the 99.999% of our people come in, we disclose how much time and effort and people power, man, woman power from all our staff goes into creating a plan and what it costs. So if you want to walk away, you know what the bill is going to be. Or we say, you know, we will collect, say it's 1% or we have insurance, there's a commission. We disclose all the stuff we're going to get paid. But for that, we're going to provide you a plan, provide you ongoing support, um, you know, provide you all the different strategies, et cetera, et cetera. And many, many, many times we do not actually collect enough or collect the amount of money equal to or greater than what we estimate a fees, a plan is going to cost. So we do a combination, do a hybrid, but that's okay. Cause you know, this, I mean, I preach this, you know, I'm blue in the face that I believe everyone has the right to have a full plan built by a registered financial planner, no matter their income, social status, how much money they have in investments, whatever the case may be, you need to start somewhere. And that's why we created the Omni formula with everything financial group to to get that plan out there to everybody. We provide the updates every year. Now we talked, I think our first question today, Dave, was what's the Omni formula? And just like driving your car, because I, I equate it to a GPS. Well, if you make a wrong turn, you have to have an update. If you, if you turn wrong in your car, you got the annoying voice saying, turn left here, you know, or make a U-turn <laughs> here, whatever the case is. Well, that's me, I'm the annoying voice. And I okay. want to make sure you review the plan every year. Our staff reaches out to see if there's any major financial differences in your life or goal changes. So get your plan updated a year and that's all covered in, you know, we don't charge an annual review fee, but if you were fee-based only, it'd be within those companies right to do so. Use a consumer, ask what the fee is, or is it a blended plan? And there is companies who charge both. They charge the fee and then they collect the commissions on the life insurance or the investments. They still deal with portfolio managers, oh, but they'll charge both. Okay. And that's their right. If they feel it's valid, it's your right not to use them, but it's their right to do it. 
And, and as long as it's disclosed, I do know of a few companies who choose to go that way and that's fair enough. Um, but also fair that a lot of those companies will include more things and not charge for certain things as your assets go up. And, and we don't bill anybody, but we do provide more items. Like I, we talked about earlier, the taxes, the, the will, et cetera, et cetera, a bunch of other things as your assets increase. Cause it, it does cost us a lot of time and energy and, and, you know, hourly, you know, people power there, salaries to build a plan. <laughs> but it hits a point where it doesn't cost us more. You know what I mean? Like if you have X, yep. we've got our costs covered, but if you have this much money, then we're just collecting more money. And, you know, sometimes there's a few more complicated things, but not thousands of dollars of more complicated things. And at that stage, we we include way more things. Like I said, the taxes, the returns, the power of attorney, the estate plan, wills, blah, blah. There's a whole bunch of things there we include if you get to that level. But also as your money goes up, the flat fee that we're compensated actually goes down too. So, you know, it, it gets lower as you have more money too. So let's get on to episode nine. Um, it was spectacular. Uh, it really was. Um Maybe maybe the highlight. We we can debate this later on, but I mean that that episode is is such a, a, a gripping one because of the fact that we had you know uh, Bart Aldridge, you know Notary Republic there, and there were so many great things that we got into that. To you, what was the number one takeaway? I think when Bart just said, "Get off your whatever and get a will," don't you think? <laughs> like it was, really though, did you know? Bart says nice it nice to me. He's a yeah. nice guy. But but he, he did say it's it's not something to be afraid of. It's something, the basic thing that everybody should do. It's one of our first questions. But, I mean, he talked about all the other things they do as power of attorneys, estate plans, filings, witnessing of documents, everything else. But, it, you know, um, conveyancing for mortgages and all these other things. But as he said, People get a will like Bart Aldrich and a law firm we work with played nice in the sandbox and developed a template questionnaire to make it really simple for everyone to get a will. It is so easy. And, you know, and, and that's really what I got. I mean, he, he had like everyone who can, like he made that episode because we gosh knows David yeah. wasn't you and I, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, but he made the stuff so easy for everyone to understand and, and not fearful. Right. I mean, Bart's yeah. one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet in this industry, in the financial world. I mean, he's a notary, but he used to be sitting in the chair doing what I do. I mean, when I started everything financial, Bart was at Manulife and, and helped sponsor our company, our licensing with contracts um, and then he left that world and went on and finished his notary and has a great practice now. And and Bart is truly just there to help people answer questions, make things simple. And he just will never oversell you to do a bunch of things you don't need. And, and that's like I said, that's why we vet the people we deal with. And, and Bart, great family, great family man, great guy. Uh, his wife, Michelle, great physiotherapist, actually. So uh, with a great practice of her own. Um, yeah. And, and just the will part. And, and again, we, 
we try and remember always that big question to people get a will and Bart's the type too. And he's so good. And he, he mentioned this, yeah. that wow. if he thinks you don't need an update, he has a quick, he'll, he'll take the time to have a look and go, you know what? You're good. You don't need to make a change to your will, but when you need me, I'm here for this, 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 and this. So great guy. And I know people who have had such a good relationship with him. They will drive across the city to go and have him look after things. Cause they know, you know, they're not being sold a bill of goods. He truly does have your best interests at heart. And, and that's people who aren't really labeled as a fiduciary, but still act as a fiduciary is really important to me that, that they're really looking out for you. And we have saved the, the biggest question for last. And again, I'm going to throw it back at you um, because not, not a whole lot has changed since we dealt with it uh, only just a few weeks ago, but here it is. What has happened to the Canadian economy. Okay, people, full disclaimer. If you okay. love our current government, Trudeau, you just swore. That's like season. Yes, I um, did. Turn the channel now it because it's enough, not a love fest. But okay. I, I, if you watched sort of my commentary back in September when the election was on, I yep. found positive things for each and I found negative things that I just felt were dumb for each party. So I... I universally dislike all politicians because, you know, but it's a, it's an easy job to get into because all you have to do, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, people, is fail a lie detector test. And if you failed it, you qualify to be a politician. <laughs> what do they say? How do you know the politician's lying? His lips are moving. And, yeah. and I don't think they all go in it like that. But when you look at, we're going to do, Dave, I tell you what, we were talking about this. We're going to do an episode, even though this is the end of season two. Yep. We're going to do a little teaser episode in a couple months, um, kind of when we're more out of this pandemic thing and they bring in a budget, because we got one coming up soon, to really give a full report card on thing. Now, I've done a lot of research. And since Justin Castro, I mean, Justin Trudeau took over in 2016... Our economy has been the worst it's been in the last 40 years. Now, now people who are all yelling at their, their monitors are ready to turn me off. I'm not, and I'm, I'm going to be fair. When we do this episode, Dave, and we talked about this the other day, we're going to give a pass on the two years of COVID because, and I'm not going to say I agree with what he's done because I don't agree with a ton of what he's done. And there's some things I'm going to enlighten people on that'll just blow your mind through some of the client connections I have which are not conspiracy. Everything we're going to do will be brought out in fact that's fully available to the public. A lot of the financial analysis done of what he's done from the Fraser Institute. So it's, it's all there. Fair enough. Um, so it's all going to be fact-based, but I just think it's fair to go up to 16 to 19 because as I said, even though I may not agree and I think what he's done is just abysmal even since COVID hit, I can't say anyone else in power would have done better or different. We don't know. And so yeah. it's not fair to, to slam him for the economic part of COVID um, just because we'll probably throw out some comparisons of other countries. But again, other countries' economies aren't run the same as Canada. We're going to deal with Taxes that have been raised, taxes that have been frozen. Um, we're going to deal with um, what's gone on with 
the gas prices in Canada, you know, as we're recording this podcast while the Russian invasion is on, everyone wants to blame Putin. Now he's a slime bucket in the worst terms possible, but our gas prices are nothing people to do with Russian invasion. Look at how much gas Canada bought or Canada buys and refines from Alberta pre-2016, pre-Trudeau. And look at how much gas, oil, sorry, crude oil, Canada buys from Alberta since Trudeau took over. And it'll boggle your mind. Do the independent research, it's there. Then to do other things. This is the big tease for people to research. Look at where that gas, oil, so I say gas always because it gets turned into gas. Sorry, people. Look at where that crude oil gets bought from now. So so we, we were buying X from Alberta. Now we don't. Look at where we buy it from and look at who owns the refineries that process that crude into gas. And people, you will have the answer on why our economic situation, that part of it, is in a absolute shambles. And in BC, Dave, because we're on the air in BC, they're yeah. using this excuse now our gas has gone up because the Cherry Point refinery can't keep up, blah, 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 blah. Bullshit. It's got nothing to do with it because guess what? Canada's pumping a refining. Because then the excuse is, wow, we can't get refineries because Trudeau's government won't give out. Okay. Again, look at where the oil is being processed. There's another thing. Look at the party. Look at the look at the this faction that gives a whole lot of money to the liberal government. Fully disclosed, anyone can support any political party they want. So I have no issue with that because it all has to. You know, it's all disclosed. But look at the agenda they're pushing, aka batteries and cars. Yeah, and you'll find out who's getting paid for the narrative. So we're going to talk about oil in that episode. We're going to talk about taxes big time. But people, to be fair, like I said, we're going to keep it confined to 2016 to 2019. And we're going to compare government policies from 1995 all the way through. And some are not going to be favorable for the conservatives. And some are not going to be favorable for the, the liberals. But some are also going to be favorable for the liberals from previous regimes regimes, and some are going to be favorable for the conservatives. So we're going to do a great comparison of taxes to say what's happened to our economy. And I don't know who's pulling the strings behind the scene there, Dave, but they know uh, an economics 101 student at a local college could do a better job. Yeah, Gets back to the same old thing. To find the truth, what do you do? Follow the money, Follow Dave. The money. And, you're, and there's, there's things we're going to disclose yeah. in that episode. God, look at it. I'm almost doing the whole episode now. That will just... <laughs> That's why we're going to throw one in there. And then yeah. after that one comes out in a couple months, um, gosh, Dave, then we're going to have, uh, before you know it, it's going to be roughly October and we're going to be into season three of the Your Money podcast. So let me throw this at you to close this thing up. What is in store? What are the What are the plans that have you got for season three of Your Money? Well, I can tell you this. We've already got them lined up. We're going to have okay. three different portfolio managers to come on to give different perspectives of different perspectives in the portfolio management industry. We've already got lined up um, 
uh, um, brain cramp here. Um, oh, uh, someone who's an expert on disability insurance. He's going to come out and, and we're going to talk about the different types of disability insurance out there in the industry to give a really good overview of that. We're going to have our old friend, uh, Stuart Zuckerman come on, uh, from his law company and talk about that we've got an accountant lined up from one of Canada's biggest uh, firms from Myers Norris Penny uh, coming on next year. Geez, I hope our man off camera here is taking all these notes to remember who all the guests are <laughs> I've lined up for next year. Um, we're going to go over some updates we've done in the Omni formula, some new things we're doing. Um, you know, now that we, you and I, <laughs> you and I hopefully get better at this as time goes on, we're going to have right. a little more interactive stuff. Um, we're going to really put out a lot of stuff. We have now this year hired a social media director at Everything Financial. And over the summer, she's going to be sending out Jamie, Jamie, uh, Jamie Lee up from, that's her middle name, by the way, up from Whistler area. And she's going to put out a lot of stuff out there for people to bring in a lot of questions to ask. So we're going to have a lot more questions from listeners we, we like to do. And um, yeah, I, I know we're going to get, uh, Josh from uh, um, his insurance company that we had on here. Remember we had Josh Krennis on there a yeah. few episodes ago. We're going to get him back on to talk about home auto insurance, things like that. Uh, Vitri Trong from our office will be on for mortgages at some point because of these interest rate changes and things like that, just to keep us up to date. So we're going to look at it again, doing about a 16, maybe we'll get it up to 18 or 20 episode season next year. Um, the 16 for sure, but yeah, starting, uh, coming out sometime around October, somewhere in there. And I know people, Dave and I'll be hard at it, putting these things together and starting our recording roughly in September. But, uh, like I said, over the next few months, look for a lot of questions for Jamie to post online to, uh, you know, so we can look after things for people and, and get questions out there and, and, um, you know, and maybe, maybe Dave will even add in a five, 10 minute segment before every episode to answer question, you know, pick one or two great questions from the previous episode. So that way people have sure. a couple weeks to get some questions into us so we can, we can do them. Yeah. Some interaction. Yeah. You um, bet. As always, Peter, another great season of raising the level of financial literacy. Uh, now, if people have got questions or a second opinion, <laughs> which we're certainly going to get some of those on their financial plan. What can they do? Just go to everythingfinancial.com. Uh, go to the Your Money podcast. Send us an email. Go to the Everything Financial group on YouTube. And there's a lot of links there to ask us questions directly. Hey, Dave, while you're sitting in that great studio there in downtown Vancouver, I've yeah. got an idea. We're going to have to talk to our, our team and the powers that be. Maybe we do some live podcasts in studio yes. next year. Yes. As long as the glass will withstand the yelling and the eggs being thrown at us. <laughs> Just saying. I know we're not, not going to be doing a postseason Canuck playoff run wrap up. No. Now, people, no, the, no, that's the, the, the season is still going on while Dave and I are recording this. There's still about three weeks to go, I believe, roughly, I think. Yeah. I just don't think it's hopeful, but yeah. hey, we can say this to, and channeling our former sports selves, Dave, and we spent a lot of years together on sports radio. The future finally looks bright because yes. I tell you what, since that clown Benning took over, the future has not looked bright. 
and now it does. I love Boudreaux. I love Bruce Boudreaux. I I love Bruce Boudreaux too, and I I do love – you know what the team reminds me of now, Dave, and we went through this together? It reminds me of three or four years when the Sedins were rookies, but you could see the hope on the horizon. Yeah, that's yeah. what the team reminds me of now. And now that Benning in his ways and Green in his ways, whatever those ways were, I know we know, but we can't say. Well, we yeah. could, but I'm not going to. Are gone. <laughs> um, Pedersen and Hughes look happy. Yeah, like look at fun. Pedersen's numbers the last two thirds of this season since there's been a regime change. Isn't that impressive? Yeah. He looks like a kid again having fun playing hockey. And you know what? So, and, and I tell you what, and you know this, you'll back me on this. Yeah. Back in my days with you and the other people who took over on the radio station when those changes were made, and I was saying right away, singing the praises of Thatcher Demko, Thatcher Demko, Thatcher Demko, Thatcher Demko. Yeah. I think we have one of the best five goalies. And if you look for his age, yeah. probably yeah. one of the best three goalies at that age in the NHL. And you know what? It all starts with goal. And then you work your Absolutely. way out. So yeah, it's like you're a quarterback in football. Yep. It's uh it's the same thing. If you don't have a pitcher in baseball, same thing. You gotta have the goaltender. They got the guy. They've got the guy. You, Absolutely. You know, you, we gotta stop agreeing on everything. I'll tell you that. That's one thing that's gonna change. Uh, I think we're gonna wrap friendly. this up with uh yeah. in next little while here with a a great season wrap up for you and I. I appreciate all the time you put into this, but we're gonna have yeah. to do a little run to Il Diargino for dinner one night. Yes. Just, to reminisce about the season that was. Yes, yes. yes. Now everyone knows our favorite place to meet for dinner anyways. So if you want to come and yell at us, just check in there on a Friday night at some point and you'll find us. Walk by, look through the window. Exactly. Uh, that's it, Peter, for season two. Uh, we're going to be back, as you said, a few in a few months with season three. And thanks so much for following, rating, and sharing us on your favorite podcast platform, YouTube. If you've got a question for Peter or topics that you want us to cover, simply go to GoMoney at EverythingFinancial.com. And I'm going to end it like I always end it. Adios, Peter. Adios. Adios, muchachos.